So being fully happy in, in the moment with things as they are, and at the same time, then emerging out of that and expressing yourself, but without attachment or grasping to having to achieve it, have it, do it, that, that harmony, that balance of the yin and the yang, that's, that's, that's the real secret. Welcome back to another episode of the Max Out Show, where I'm on a mission to help you unleash your full potential. Today's guest is the world's leading authority on the application of genius thinking to personal and organizational development, Michael Gelb. In addition to writing 17 books that include the bestseller, How to Think, like Leonardo da Vinci, Michael has been named the Brain of the Year in 1999, performed with the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan on the fifth degree black belt in Aikido, and speaks on stages around the world on improving brain power, creativity, and leadership. So Michael, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, thank you. Super excited to have you. And so one of the reasons I was, I was so desperate to get you on the show is because I know that both of us are obsessed with positive psychology. So I'm really lucky because I get to study it right now in my master's degree in London. But I know that when you were starting out in this field, you know, 40 years ago, that like positive psychology didn't even exist yet. So for our listeners, you know, to give you a little background, positive psychology is really the science of what makes people thrive. It's the science of, you know, how geniuses like Leonardo da Vinci come to, you know, live on this earth. And so yet, you know, throughout your career, I feel like you've sort of created a practical PhD for yourself in what it really takes to live a great life. So where does that curiosity come from? Well, first of all, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Well deserved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it is funny what you said about uh, getting a PhD in, in life through experience, because I actually remember early in my career, I was thinking of going to graduate school to get my PhD in clinical psychology. But in those days, there were no positive psychology <laughs> programs that didn't even exist yet. So I remember I made this decision. I, th I remember thinking, should I go spend four years trying to get a PhD in something I'm not really passionate about? Or should I just make up my own <laughs> curriculum and then I'll get hired to teach PhDs? <laughs> so that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's what you did. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny because it, you know, we're all born with that curiosity. It's our birthright. Every child is wildly curious, but most of us just get it beaten out of us. You know, you yeah. go to school, uh, teacher says, stop asking so many questions. It happened to Leonardo. It happened to Edison. It happened to Einstein. But somehow, uh, they were never able to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, it's so great. In one of your books, uh, you wrote something along the lines of, you know, if, if Leonardo da Vinci was in grade school today, you'd be drugged up with ADD, right? Because you would, like, people don't understand those kind of people are very different from, from the norm, right? Yes. Yes. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of education design was designed really to get people to take their place in bureaucracies, in huge top-down hierarchical organizations, which mostly don't really exist anymore. Even, even the oldest 
most traditional kinds of organization have become much more matrix oriented, much more collaborative, much more diverse. We're in a whole other world that requires a whole other way of thinking. But the amazing thing is we can go back more than 500 years. Look at what Leonardo da Vinci taught his students and guess what? It's more applicable now, perhaps, than it was then. That's what a genius he was. He's yeah. that far ahead of his time. For sure. And I know, you know, growing up, you had two big superheroes that, that sort of inspired you. So can you share with us about that and how that impacted you later on? Sure. Well, one, of course, is Superman. <laughs> of course. And, and obviously, I, I discovered eventually that he was only a comic book character. <laughs> But I was blessed that my grandma, Rosa, was an Italian painter. And she told me about Leonardo da Vinci when I was six or seven years old. And there was just something so fascinating about, about him. Years later, I realized he's an archetype for human potential. He yeah. represents our aspiration to use all of our ability. And I found my way into my own self-created curriculum, focusing on studying the great geniuses of history and how we could apply their teaching to our lives now. And as I dove into Leonardo's notebooks, I asked a really simple question. And the question was just, what's he trying to teach us? <laughs> And if you read his notebooks with that in mind, there are plenty of places where he's actually giving advice to his students. So I just thought, well, how do we translate this into contemporary language and make it relevant to the kinds of challenges that people face today? So that, that, that's what ultimately gave birth to the book, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. Amazingly, that came out in 1998, but it's actually really going strong because it's universal, you know, it's yes. in 25 languages. And I hear from people all over the world. And actually just before we started our conversation, I was working on fine tuning the scripts for the new Da Vinci online seminar we're gonna be releasing soon. Wow. It, it, it's, yeah, it's a happening deal. We're gonna take you through the whole course. Like if people like the book, uh, which I know many people do, but what if you wanna have the experience of being with me on a four-day intensive course without flying around the world or having me fly to you just on your computer. So we're, we're adapting to the times because it's getting harder for people to travel around and be in a room together. And we're, we're planning to do this anyway, but we're accelerating it and it's going to be ready soon. And I'm super excited about it, as you can tell. Yeah, for sure. Love that. And I think one of the things that people connect with, especially, you know, with these ancient teachings is that they've realized that even geniuses like Leonardo da Vinci and, you know, Edison and Ford, they weren't born that way, right? There's not like some magical gene that somehow made them different from the rest of the world, but all of these are learned characteristics and traits and skills and habits that we can bring in our lives. So what are some of those, those paradigm shifts that you found through studying those great geniuses about how all of us, you know, the average human being can actually become more creative, yes. more, productive in their lives. Yes. Well, here's, here's, to be fair, we have to state that clearly some people are born with way more talent in certain areas than other people. So 
I used to live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, home of the Santa Fe Institute. And I was lucky enough to become friends with Murray Gelman, who won the Nobel Prize in Physics wow. in 1969. So you've heard of quarks. He's the guy who figured out quarks in his mind. Wow. Math and the equations, figured out the smallest particle. <laughs> and then a few years later, they built a collider big enough and strong enough that they were able to find out that what he figured out about the fundamental particles of reality was true. Wow, okay, so, but he just came up with it like in his mind. Okay, so he's a stunning, real genius. One thing, I mean, I feel like I know Leonardo, I feel like I know Edison, but Murray was over my house probably 15 <laughs> times. We drank a lot of good wines together and I got to talk to him. And it was clear that when he was five years old, he was solving advanced math pro problems in his head that you know, the truth is I couldn't do now if I worked <laughs> around the clock. So Murray has more, had more mathematical talent, for example, than I do. And when I was young, my real, my other dream, I have to tell you, my other dream was, was to be a professional basketball player. Wow. Yeah. I, oh yeah. I wish not, I, not I, the juggling. <laughs> well, that came later. Cause, but that's, a, we'll see, we'll get to the juggling because I love basketball so much. And there's a player for the Boston Celtics named Bob Cousy. And I thought, wow, that's my role model. I'd love to be like him. But I remember the day when I realized I was never going to make it to the NBA in this lifetime. No matter how hard I just, it was just a dose of harsh reality. So clearly, and, and yet I have friends, I've met friends over the years with amazing athletic talent and amazing I've been lucky enough to meet great geniuses and accomplished people from all these walks of life so what I had to do was figure out okay what are my talents what are my gifts what are my strengths that's part of what led me to juggling and it's part of what led me to teaching and it led me to the field of creative thinking because I discovered, it, it led me to writing. I never knew I, I would be, I would write 17 books and sell a million copies around the world. I, I really had no clue about that. It was way beyond my, my idea of what might be possible for me. But, so what I learned is to look and discover, okay, what, what are my talents? But then, once you figure them out, or as you're figuring them out, but you may not even know what they are yet, what are the principles that we take from the geniuses for developing our talents? So you may not be Leonardo or Bob Cousy or Murray Gelman, and I may not be them, but you're Max and I'm Michael, and whoever is listening to us is who they are, and you are unique in all of human history. There's nobody else that's ever been like you. You're a treasure of the universe. And the question then is, how do you mine that treasure? How do you bring it to, to fulfillment? And that's where seven principles for thinking like Leonardo can be very helpful. Yeah, you know what I love about it is at the end of the day, it's all about self-actualization, right? So yes, you may not have the natural talent like Leonardo da Vinci, but it doesn't matter because you can actualize as much of your potential 
as you have, right? In those areas that matter to you with those skills and those talents that you have. So you don't need to be the next, you know, Leonardo da Vinci. You can be the next, you know, Michael, Max, whoever right. you are, right? <laughs> Listening to this. So exactly. I love that. Yes. And it's, it's the same thing. Like if you wanted to, let's say you wanted to be the best basketball player you could be, you, you would study what the great players do and teach or tennis or chess. So it doesn't mean, by the way, also that you can't pursue something unless you have the highest level of talent. I mean, I've improved my chess game a lot. Now I'm friends with a grandmaster. I'm very pleased with my record against the grandmaster. Zero wins, <laughs> 205 losses, <laughs> one draw. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> one draw. <laughs> Right. So for me, did you give him too much wine before that? Or? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Now, now you touch upon the seven principles, and I want to dive a little bit deeper into that later. But first of all, I think your story is just so brilliant because you've excelled at such high levels in so many different pursuits. So how does one go? You know, become basically the the juggler on stage to you know Bob Dylan to the Rolling Stones. And then, you know, go on to become this Aikido master and then teach, you know, thousands, thousands of people around the world creativity. Like how, I mean, that's not the normal career trajectory, I'd say, right? <laughs> if you go to your high school or college guidance counselor, uh, they don't have anything for what I did. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and they tell you it would be impossible. Yes, and, but as a creative approach. <laughs> I mean, we can extract some lessons uh, from what I learned on that journey that are especially helpful to younger people starting out. Uh, if you're bursting with creativity and you want to find your path and you don't necessarily fit into any set curriculum or degree program, what I, what I learned, I actually was, I was, when I was 20, I went and spent a year with a spiritual genius studying the world's spiritual traditions. It's a gentleman named J.G. Bennett, person of remarkable integrity and, and just an incredible intelligence. And he gave a profound practical overview of all of the world's great traditions and the universal truth that they all shared. So this was an amazing opportunity when I was 20. I finished when I was 21 and I'd had really deep insights and experiences of the interconnectedness of all of life. Wow. And I was thinking, okay, well now what, what do I do in the world? Cause I knew I was not, I was not the kind of person to just go be a monk or go be uh, in a mountaintop somewhere. I knew I had to embrace the world. And I knew I, I, I did have one fundamental criteria that had two parts. I knew that what I wanted to do had to be something that would be of service to others. And I knew it had to be engaging and interesting for me. So that, and you know, the funny thing is I was so naive. I didn't even think about money back then. <laughs> I really thought I want to be of service. I want to help heal the world, but I want to do something that will help me grow and learn. So, so the first thing to do is you don't have to know what you're going to do but figure out what your criteria are. What do you stand for? What's a, what are your values? What, what do you want your life to be about? 
So through all my reading and study and meditation, that was clear, even though I had no clue how, how would I pursue that. But then I learned another useful lesson. And that was, you don't have to figure it out all at once. I just fell in love with juggling, for example, and just decided I would become the best juggler that I, I could. And then I started getting paid to do children's parties and I juggled on the street and I started juggling clubs. And then I happened to be in Hyde Park in London one day and a fellow came up to my juggling partner and I and said, would you like to juggle on stage with Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones tonight at Earl's Court? We'll pay you 50 pounds. So we said, sure. So all of a sudden I'm juggling with the Rolling Stones. Wow, what a big already at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it was just, it just, it was the synchronicity, but I put myself in the position for that to happen. And then the truth, I gotta tell you, I was not the biggest Stones fan. But I knew it was going to make a good story. Yeah, and I, sure. I got a couple of my friends into the concert as guests, and they still <laughs> love me and thank me to this day for free Stones tickets. So, but the point is, I still didn't even know then that I would wind up writing a book called Lessons from the Art of Juggling, that I would develop a corporate seminar. I, I taught a thousand IBM engineers how to juggle and I wow. use it as a metaphor. I use it as a metaphor for the process of learning and, and creative team collaboration. So, you know, I became one of the highest paid jugglers in the history of the world, <laughs> not by performing, but by abstracting the lessons of juggling and then teaching large corporate audiences how to do this. And you should see what happens when I teach. I still do this to this day. Uh, uh, people just start laughing and opening up and they're, they're, they have, I, I get them to do it by picking up the balls for each other and helping each other. We create the supportive environment. So somebody gets three balls to go around for the first time and they, they exult. They, oh, they just, you hear them go, I got it. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's so wonderful. So, but I didn't know all that. I just knew, okay, I love juggling. It's a great chance to explore accelerated learning. How good can I get at this? Let's find out. So I started studying all the principles of accelerated learning, applying them to juggling. And, you know, I got pretty good. And then people, I got invited to speak, you know, to, to perform with the Stones. And then I started working with businesses. And I thought, why don't I teach them juggling? And, I could, and then it became a book. So that's just one thing. So what I've done, I guess the answer to, to coming back to your question is, I kept doing one thing at a time that I really loved and figuring out how I could learn it as intensively and, and achieve as much mastery as possible in the shortest amount of time. That's what I did with martial arts. You know, I, I fell in love with Aikido. I said, I'm going to get my black belt faster than anybody in the history of my school. And even though you're not supposed to be attached to achieving the results, I was, and I did. <laughs> and, you know, and, and then again, I, I didn't realize event, you know, when I was doing that, that someday I would be teaching Aikido seminars to corporate clients 
as a metaphor for negotiation and, and dealing with conflict. Uh, so at each stage, each, each of the books I've written, each of the subjects I've immersed myself in, I did it first because I was passionate about it and I wanted to learn it. I thought it would be fun and I thought it'd be something that might be helpful for somebody else. And the truth is some of the things that I've studied have led to tremendous commercial success and other things haven't been as commercially successful. But that's, my, that's not the criteria I've ever really used. I just, I just focus on, I stick with it. I've been blessed you know, to be commercially successful enough that I now have the luxury, uh, and I have had for a while, to just do whatever I want. But I basically always did whatever I wanted anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right from, from those early days. No, I love yeah. that. You know what's, what's so interesting is like, I mean, you keep churning out books like, like it's nothing, right? Like almost like a, a one a year almost, right? Over the last 22 years or whatever it is now. And I think it goes back a little bit at least to this 100 question exercise, which yes. I think can be really powerful, especially for, or like you mentioned, those young people, you know, like myself right now, they're figuring out their life basically and what they want to do. So can you share with us a little bit about that and how we can use it to really figure out what's most important to us? Sure. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Max, because you know, the Da Vinci book, as I mentioned, came out in 1998. And I've gotten so many letters from people over the years who did that 100 questions exercise in the book, and it changed their life. It, it was so, the exercise is so good, I put it in another book called uh, Creativity on Demand that came out a few years ago. And I do it myself from time to time, because it's a way, you just, you write 100 questions. One sitting, don't lift your pen off the paper, doesn't matter if you write nonsense, you just write at least 100 questions, just keep going. If you like, play some nice music, put on some aromatherapy, uh, uh, whatever you wanna do, use your non-dominant hand if you wanna get you know, super creative, have fun. But just, the, the idea is that the first 20 questions people write, they're in their everyday mind. And then you sort of burn through that in the next 30 questions or so. Kind of new territory, but it can also seem a little frustrating, a little stupid. People write questions like, why am I writing these stupid questions? <laughs> it doesn't matter. You just keep going. Just follow the instructions because it really works. You get to 70, 80, 90, 100 questions, and now you're in new territory. You make, it gets you to make this breakthrough. And sometimes people get so into it, they write 150, 200 questions. Wow. They just can't stop. Then we have people read their questions and highlight the ones that speak to them the most. But the real breakthrough happens for people, a lot of the times they wake up four o'clock in the morning, the night after this, or they're walking in the park the next day, or they're driving in their car, or they're in the shower or the bath. And all of a sudden, an insight emerges about some real deep question in their life. And, and, and it, it has a lot of power and a lot of energy. I mean, I've had people tell me that from the, that exercise, they started a business. What I know one fellow started a very successful business. He got the idea from, from doing the exercise. Wow. Uh, it's funny, his business involved, uh, involved creating this service for, for interviewing authors and selling subscriptions to companies. 
and he wound up interviewing me on the 100 questions exercise, which was the exercise uh, <laughs> to start the business that created me uh, being on his show. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so he must have been pumped about that. Yeah, but, but I love this, first of all. I think it really allows you to see these clusters almost of, of topics that you just fascinate with, right? So I did something very similar like a couple of years ago, and what I realized, it was all psychology. Like it was all about how, how do I become happier? How do I help other people become happier? It was about self-discipline and building better habits, right? And I realized like, it's the only thing I'm like, you know, obsessed with. So I was like, this yeah. is it, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is what I want to do. But you mentioned something else that was super important, which is like, oftentimes these insights, they don't come while we're, you know, sitting at the desk writing. They don't come while we're you know, staring at a computer screen, but they're actually coming in all these moments when we least expect it. So can you talk to us about that, how, you know, rest and, you know, even thinking about other stuff can actually help us become more creative. So here's the big secret of thinking like Leonardo or Edison or Queen Elizabeth I or whoever your historical role model might happen to be. The real big secret is there's a part of you that's way smarter than you are. And the smartest people learn to consult the smarter part of themselves. So what that involves, but the funny thing is you can't just take showers and naps. Yeah. And <laughs> be a genius. Sorry, it doesn't work. <laughs> Got to do a little bit of work also. <laughs> well, the way it works, so, what, so one of the things we is really clear in, in Leonardo and Edison, and every genius I've studied, they all study and work at things with an unbelievable passion. They are immersed in it. Then they let go. Then they spend time in nature. Then they go for a walk or get in the bath or take a nap. Edison used to take two naps a day on his desk in the office. Wow. But what, another thing they all do is they all keep a notebook with them. And when they wake up at four o'clock in the morning or from the nap or get out of the shower, they write down whatever it is, whatever their inspiration is. Even if it's completely unformulated and seems kind of crazy. See, unfortunately, the average person, when they wake up at four o'clock in the morning, they have a, a crazy idea. They think to themselves, I'm no genius, they go back to sleep. <laughs> but Edison, Marie Curie, Leonardo da Vinci, they write it down. So one of the simplest practices is to keep your notebook with you. And when ideas arise, record them. And the good news is the more you record them, the more ideas you get. And then if you do the 100 questions exercise, you're, you're energizing your curiosita, your birthright of curiosity. And then you know, whatever you want to learn about, and it doesn't have to be the ultimate thing, whatever you want to learn about, immerse yourself in the study of whatever that happens to be. And then ask questions about it. Then keep your notebook. Then write an essay about it. Do free stream of, I, I, I teach a lot in the books and in my seminars. We teach people how to do stream of consciousness writing, which is the 100 questions is just a form of stream of consciousness writing. 
which is a way of tapping the part of you that is smarter than you are. The other great methodology is mind mapping, which, which is, is a method really for, for getting your, your mind to work in generating and organizing ideas like the mind of Da Vinci or Edison. Yeah, I love that. It seems like it's, it's really about finding different ways that we can use to really engage with those ideas, right? To not just, you know, write them down once and think, them, think about them once a week or so, but to really deeply engage in, in different ways, whether it's mind mapping, whether it's thinking about it in a shower, whether it's actually really studying it, writing it, practicing it, right? I'm really yeah. curious now, like, if, you know, if you could travel back in time 500 years and you could actually meet Leonardo da Vinci, what would you ask him? Like, what would be the thing you would be most curious about? Well, I already did that. <laughs> <laughs> you already traveled back? I already, how, how do you think I wrote this book? <laughs> I took dictation. <laughs> how do we think like you? I took dictation. How did time travel? <laughs> no, I love that. <laughs> done, next question. Done, done. <laughs> very true, very true. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, uh, one thing I'm really curious is like your own personal sort of habits, routines that you've learned from the greats, you know, for your own creative process. What does that look like for you on a daily basis? Well, again, everything I write about is pretty much what I do. And if I don't do it, I don't write about it. Yeah. So, and, you know, and, and, if you really want to check me on this, you can ask my wife because she lives with me. <laughs> and apparently part of why she likes me is this, there isn't really much of a separation between what, I, what I'm teaching and what I do. And if there is, I'm always working on uh, closing that gap. Uh, so, you know, every, I mean, I'm, Every day I'm focusing on key questions. You know, my, my curiosity drives my day. So I'm curious each day about the, the new discoveries and the, the things I most want to learn about. I, I told you that I'm working on this, uh, the script for the Da Vinci. I couldn't be more into it. I'm, I'm just, when we're done with this, I'm going right back into it. Oh, I can feel the energy for this, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, you know, and I do, and okay, I confess, I also have two big things I'm working on. I'm also just finishing my next book, which comes out in September. Literally, I'm sending in the final, final, final manuscript on Monday. Love so that. this morning I got up and I just read through the entire thing and made some changes. And, and so there's, you know, there's a curiosity that's fortunately, you know, what I do for a, uh, for a living is related to what I'm most passionate about. Uh, and so that, that's a big part of, of my, my day every day is, is curiosita. Corporalita, we'll skip to the sixth principle, is hugely important to me. That's the sixth principle for thinking like Leonardo, and it's to integrate body, mind, and spirit to optimize your energy. Because without energy, you don't actually get anything done. Yeah. There is no creativity. There is no innovation. Uh, energy is the what 
what powers us, just like you can't power your home. There's no lights in your home if you don't have connection to energy. There's no lights in your, your intelligence uh, and in your creative power if you don't have the energy. And th that was a, a realization I had a, a, a while ago is that it's actually easy to get great ideas. It's actually pretty easy. Uh, the hard part is act, it's accomplishing things. It's following through. It's making it happen. It's manifestation. It's getting it done. It's being accountable. And that requires energy, tremendous energy. So, and if you look at, I mean, Edison, unbelievable energy. Uh, 1,093 United States patents. Da Vinci, wow, yeah. incredible energy. Queen Elizabeth I, unstoppable energy i mean even queen elizabeth ii i got to give her props if you heard her speech the uh, the other night at age 93 she's <laughs> total dignity total yes. focus bringing her country together with a unifying positive uh, big picture me message i mean you know that that's amazing energy to to be able to show up at 93 with that kind of presence so I don't know what the queen does every day to have that kind of energy, but I'll tell you what I do. I mean, I already today, I'll just tell you what I've already done today, besides the fact that I'm, I'm really conscious about my diet, which doesn't mean I restrain myself from pleasure. No, I, I, I really, I have two or three utterly delicious celebrational meals a day, but it, everything is filled with life force and it's balanced and it's healthy and it's organic. Uh, and I savor it and share it with my wife uh, tonight. You know, I look forward to drinking a wonderful wine with dinner each night, sharing um. with her. So, uh, but I, I, you know, I get that this aesthetically and nutritionally, this is, this is fuel. Then already today, let's see, what did I do? I got, uh, I rode, uh, I rode three or four miles on my exercise bike downstairs. It's way too windy today to go for our usual walk in the park. It's just a miserable kind of day here tonight. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, rode my bike. I did uh, 25 burpees, 25 slow push-ups. Nice. 25 squats, 25 rows with the bands, 25 punches with the bands. 30 uh, uh, curls while walking up and down. And then I hit the heavy bag, boom, uh, uh, for a while. And then later I'm gonna do my Qigong standing meditation for 20 minutes. I'm gonna do the super chi form that, that is the most powerful Qigong form I've, I've learned over all these years. And then I'm gonna do the, the Wu style long form Tai Chi. Uh, and when I have a call from a client, I, I put on the headphones and I walk around my meditation room. Wow. Uh, the other day, the other day I walked something like 3.8 miles in my meditation room also <laughs> <laughs> you get to the marathon soon <laughs> over here right. in europe people start doing that on their balconies just running marathons 
during this this corona time <laughs> but i love that and you know you know one of of my favorite quotes of all time comes from abraham lincoln who said give me six hours to chop down a tree i'll spend the first four sharpening the axe and that's what this reminds me of, right? You spend so much time developing yourself, developing you know, your physical bodies, your nutrition, through you know, exercise, developing your mental, your spiritual game, right? Through this meditation and Qigong exercises, right? And that, it seems like that is what allows you then to, to be creative for the rest of the day. That's the most, most important investment you can make is in your own energy, your own wellness. So find a practice. That works for you. I mean, I love Qigong and Tai Chi. Those are my favorite daily practices. Some people prefer yoga. Some people like uh, insight, Vipassana meditation. Find some, find a practice that helps you align with your center. That helps you recover quickly or uh, faster. Uh, quicker when you're stressed when you lose it you know we all look there's upsetting things in the world for all of us it's not that one is always in some blissful state of super uh, creative wonderfulness no uh, we're here in this human realm and there are plenty of challenges the question is how quickly can you recover and how and and how long do you go before you remember what your purpose is. Because that's the way, what gives you the greatest sense of purpose, even more than, uh, what gives you the greatest energy rather, is having a sense of purpose. Yes. When you have a reason to do whatever it is you're doing, that, that generates more energy than anything else. Yes, absolutely love that. Now, Michael, I promise to get you out here early so you can wrap up your book. So before I ask my final question, where can listeners connect with you online? Thank you. Thanks for asking. Uh, best way is michaelgelb.com. That's G-E-L-B, michaelgelb.com. And if people go to michaelgelb.com, we have a free newsletter. We send out articles and we'll send you a link to get engaged with our new online video seminar and all sorts, lots of free videos and wonderful podcasts like this one, which I'll look forward to putting up on our site as well. So Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> absolutely. Typical. Now, final question, what does it mean for you to max out your life? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful question. And we have to unpack it a little bit. Because what do we mean by maxing out? Yes. So maybe what we mean is experience fulfillment. Maybe what we mean is feel that we've utilized and are utilizing our, our potential, that we are expressing ourselves, that we are living our purpose, that we are helping others. Uh, will any of us ever reach a place where we, if we're that kind of person who cares about this, that will ever have achieved enough or done enough I mean, look, there's too, there's too much suffering in the world, so our work's not done. Yeah. There's too much stupidity in the world, so our work's not done. Right? <laughs> there's too much disease in the world, so our work is not done. So we can never, we can't ever max out in what we might contribute and how we can, we can help. At the same time, 
one of the big secrets is learning the role of minimalism in maxing out that that there's time and one of the big secrets of life is finding this harmony between being fully present with everything as it is and having that be wonderful yes so so there's this tension between people like us who are strivers achievers learners you know i'm i'm more that way than i ever have been it's not i'm not calming down as far as that's concerned i'm more ambitious i'm more focused i'm more you know driven in all sorts of ways and thank god i've also learned how to let that all go and just enjoy breathing enjoy yes. breathing. so so being fully happy in in the moment with things as they are and at the same time then emerging out of that and expressing yourself but without attachment or grasping to having to achieve it have it do it that that harmony that balance of the yin and the yang that's 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 the real secret all right guys that's it for today i really hope you enjoyed this episode i hope you gained some valuable ideas tips tools tricks mindsets belief systems that hopefully inspire you to take your life to the next level at the end of the day guys it's all about application the only thing that's going to set you apart tomorrow from where you are today is how much action you take with those ideas that you gained. And so I really want to challenge you at this point to, you know, not just listen to this passively, to not just consume this, you know, passively, just thinking about other things, but to really take those lessons, take those ideas that you just gained and start applying them to your life. So to really start taking action and sprinting towards those goals and those dreams that you have in your life. Now, guys, at this point, I want to ask you for a huge favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider heading over to iTunes and leaving a review as that helps me really grow the show and reach more people, impact even more people around the world. You know, if you have a family member, a friend, a loved one maybe that you think could benefit from this content, please consider, you know, sharing it with them, forwarding to them as that helps us really build a community of like-minded people that are all about maxing out their lives. Now, guys, with that being said, thanks so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. Stay strong and see you tomorrow.